Welcome to the 11. This is the 11th episode. It is Ju July 3rd, the day before July 4th, but it's July 4th because today we're off from work, but we're not really off from work because we're recording this. Light shed never stops. Light shed never stops. Um, now that we know like 95% of everyone is listening to the podcast and not watching this, and we put so much time in on coming up with our our zoom backgrounds or at least i do i and figured we, i figured and outfits i know I'm, re, I'm wearing actually wearing a pretty cool like coral colored tie-dye today it's pretty tie-dye is like really popular with the teenagers this summer did you know that like it's sort of the in trend so i don't know it's, if that's... it's always been popular with the hippies rich you know <laughs> <laughs> so are we gonna ever my... smoke weed on the podcast like alan i mean is like that gonna ever happen no alan's the man um we'll anyway yeah we'll, we'll get to that later okay anyway uh, my background is the nathan's hot dog eating contest which is a very big important july 4th event that takes place in coney island where my mother grew up and i'm really into hot dogs now because i discovered these pat lafrida ones and i eat them like two or three times a week i think i could win the hot dog eating contest now you know, my and parents grew you up. Wage, my... You can wager on it now, by the way. I know. Did you see that on DraftKings? Yeah, it's awesome. That that was a big catalyst for the for DraftKings stock this week. I think it was up like being four percent. Four percent on on being able to bet like one on to a hundred on Joey Chestnut. Where's Portnoy putting the line out? Is he betting this? Like, who's who's he taking? Uh, I I think he just bought DraftKings stock. Are there fans <laughs> this year, Brandon? Are there fans, or this is crowdless? Um. I, I think there were going to be limited fans, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I was just so focused on thinking about hot dogs. Um, Rich, <laughs> you're using Hamilton as your background, which is very shocking to me because you're promoting Disney on the podcast, and I think you have a, a sell rating on it. First of uh, all, I love Hamilton. Hamilton was an amazing play. So we've got that aspect to it, like awesome content hitting Disney plus today. We, you know, there's a streaming party on Twitter later tonight. So, you know, look, it's, it, this is the first thing that's been on Disney plus in months. I felt like I had to put it as the background. I brought the incredible Hulk to further yeah. promote Disney contest, contest, <laughs> contest. I'm all like with the hot dog eating content. Yeah. Um, he's my favorite character in the Marvel universe. And uh, and Walt is just going with, is that a virtual background or is that your actual location in Cape Cod, Walt? That's both. It is the actual location, and but represented for this um, purposes as a virtual background. And that was my first G&T right there. <laughs> Double size. Uh, okay. Walt is drinking on the podcast, which is good. No, that was yesterday. Oh, that was and yesterday. Wearing, he and just for those, left it you're there. missing on the podcast, I've got a ridiculously amazing lobster, lobster shirt that whenever I wear this to the beach gets at least five compliments. And and the red, white, and blue headbands to hold back your your flow, yes. which, is, let, which is just beautiful. But oh, Rich wants I, to get down to business. I, no, 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 I don't want to get down to business yet. Wait, no, no, I no, no. actually I don't. One I... Thing. I want to talk about one thing. Go ahead. Walt got a tickle test. Oh, you mean I'll... he got that little thing up the nose? Yeah. 
It was well, uh, what was that like? Because I haven't gotten the tickle test. I just got the antibody uh, test. First of all, you don't have COVID, correct, Walt? Yes, our entire family was tested. Um, we were able to, it wasn't easy, but we we're able to find a rapid test. And, uh, and the guy at the rapid test place was saying that like, there's obviously differences in the different tests there. They, they say, don't go to these places because the test is false, negatives, positives, whatever it is. So, but, this, but it was not That's encouraging. It is not pleasant. And, and it's, oh, I, I think it, I really feel bad for people that work at nursing homes or whatever. These people are getting tested every week with this thing that basically feels like it's touching your brain um, as they're taking the test for 10 seconds. So that's, that's rough. Hopefully they can figure out a new, less unpleasant way to, to test us for the. I thought there was yeah. a saliva test. I don't know. This one got me results within a couple of hours. So that was, that was great. So. so let's talk about what happened last week on our podcast. We made a prediction that actually came true. We actually said that by the time the podcast number 10 hit, that Disney would finally move Mulan. And guess what? Like three hours after we posted the podcast, Disney moved Mulan. So the theater business remains totally, you know, in question. Like they keep putting out release dates and nothing happens. And I think that's the question is just like, you know, it's sort of like we got Hamilton streaming on Disney Plus tonight. Is everything going to end up streaming for a while because movie theaters just can't open? You know, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I mean, there seems like a lot of things that are changing. This the surge in the Florida flu is like is really, you know, altering a lot of people's Florida flu. I think we'll Wait, get did you just call it the later. Florida flu? Did you just maybe call it the Florida are, flu? Maybe those are just the false positive tickle tests. And maybe. that's, you know, and they all just happen to be in Florida and Texas and Arizona. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe let's not. hit uh, let's hit AT and T. Walt, lead us off. So the first tweet we have today is um, basically just announcing officially that John Stanky has taken over CEO at, of AT and T over from Randall Stevenson. So now we'll have to see what type of changes are made. I mean, you know, it's a pretty stable company overall. Obviously, Stanky worked closely um, with Randall for a while, but. Whenever you're the new boss, you may have different views on things and maybe a greater willingness to s sell certain assets that were purchased by Randall than Randall. Um, Randall Stevenson might have been willing to do. What do you, how do you think things are going to change? I, I think there's two assets that as a group we're really looking at. Um, what happens, and we'll ask you, Walt, with DirecTV, and does that wind up in some kind of merger with DISH? And then number two, really focused on what happens with Warner Interactive Studios. There were the rumors out there a couple of weeks ago that it was for sale. EA seems like the a gaming very studio, logical, just to be yeah. clear, the gaming studio. Yep, the gaming studio. EA seems like a very logical buyer. I think that would be pretty accretive to EA. The stock went up on it, but we really haven't heard anything since. What do you think about the latest on uh, Dish Direct TV, Walter? Well, there's nothing new to report, but obviously if the pay TV subs are going to be as bad as, as Rich and many other people expect, um, there's obviously an incentive to do that. And again, when you have a new CEO, they can take a fresh look at things and maybe don't have the emotional baggage of being the person that actually made the decision in the first place to purchase it. Ironically, <laughs> Snanky actually was very involved at the time. <laughs> I remember when they were first announcing that stuff and, and some of the pitch about, you know, Brazil and how that, that was going to be an important part of, of um, some of the value um, that they pulled out of it. But look, it's, we'll, we'll see what happens, but there's truly a lot of incentive and synergies. And I think we'll get into this a little bit later. 
But you've also got, you know, I think with Stanky there now, he put Jason Kylar. See, I did it right this time on pronunciation. <laughs> Almost, just about Kyler. Rhymes with Tyler, Tyler. So I always think rhymes with Tyler now. I mean, I have you that in Kylar. my brain. Yeah, but you just said Kylar. Oh, stop. I'm, you're killing me. You're killing <laughs> Literally me. Literally the uh, only sorry. person worse than my mother at pronouncing things. <laughs> okay, stop. So, so look, the reality is. What about my Philly pronunciations? <laughs> Those are your your Philly pronunciations are good, except I guess you you do the um, home. what's his home bagel water. But Stanky's in charge story. now. Stanky's Wooder in charge. Ice. <laughs> Stanky's in charge. He's got new management at Warner Media. This seems like you've set up now to make real change. Like he ran the Warner Media business. I think it's going to be much easier to put real change through consolidate operations that you know they make content right now at warner brothers tv and film separate they have an hbo production they have a turner production like i just think this is the opportunity to really simplify the structure and i, I just wouldn't be surprised to see some especially with what's happened with covid and all of this trying to be leaner more efficient and, and look the, the one thing that's been very clear if you look at the battle we've been talking about in prior weeks between hbo max and roku and amazon fire which is still raging on you know, when you think about that battle, like it's because HBO Max is the single most important thing 100%. to the Warner Media division, and I think very important to AT&T. And so if you believe HBO Max is the future, there was an article in the information this week that Jessica Tunkel broke that basically said that, you know, everything that they're doing production wise internally, no more producing for third parties or less production for third parties. They're going to funnel every good piece of content into HBO Max going forward. That, if that's really true and they do that, they're really, you know, they're trying to be much more like Netflix, more like Disney Plus slash Hulu. Like they're really trying to be aggressive in, in building this platform. That's a pretty big change for, for AT&T WarnerMedia from the past under Randall. Look, and personality wise, which are always key to these things, Stanky is, is not a shy person, not, I think, willing to make aggressive moves and if you're being very aggressive on hbo max in terms of your new strategy and obviously wireless is there as a great cash generator for the company it just says like where, where does that put direct tv in terms of the relevance of the value for this company got to get rid of it uh, got to and, and like the, the business is not and, and you could generate so much cash i mean two billion plus the cost savings sure if it, you could push debt off i mean it just seems like a no-brainer and I can't imagine, I mean, I know people worry about a change in administration to Biden if that were to happen, but- They're basically the, killing it off anyway. So yeah, exactly. what's the difference? If you want to suck a lot of cash out of it, may, may as well, A, do it in the most efficient way and give it to a master in Charlie, um, who's amazing at, at running things for cash. And, and those synergies obviously reduce over time. So the 2 billion in synergies aren't going to be there forever. So you might as well right. try and start getting them as quickly as you can. Totally let's, agree. Let's do it. Okay, next. So kind of the, the flip side of what AT&T is doing, you know, you look at the HBO Max is trying to funnel all of their content directly into their platform. Here we've got um, a couple of tweets tied to Viacom CBS licensing a whole bunch of content, Godfather. And what's the show on, um, I'm forgetting the name of this show on, uh, on Showtime. Um, Billions? No, no, with the actor there, uh, he's he's like a he's the Billions fixer. Is the only show Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan. Ray Thank Donovan. you, Brandon. For God, those I'm, who are listening and can't Ray see. Donovan. So Ray I've Donovan episode is being licensed show. to Peacock, Godfather. Now, you know, we, we talked about in this podcast a few weeks ago how Viacom was trying to go more aggressively with all access, 
and they were going to put more of their content like SpongeBob onto All Access. Here we have the exact opposite, basically being an arms dealer to third parties. I think Viacom would say these are short-term deals. There's a lot of money in here. You know, we've got the comment, you know, in this tweet saying cake and eat it two strategy in full effect yep, yep. for Viacom. They're definitely trying to thread the needle. I think this is short-term versus long-term. I think the danger to this strategy though, Brandon, is the, the stronger you make your competitors in the streaming space, the harder it's going to be to catch up when you launch. Like it's just, I just think, you know, I, I just look at these tweets and it's, to me, it's, uh, Viacom just seems kind of rudderless. I don't really know how else to put it. It doesn't seem like they have, and maybe they do, maybe they have some like giant matrix board, you know, driving to some sort of complicated strategy where they can, you know, squeeze a lot of cash out, jack earnings and still have a long-term vision. But I mean, we've always said this, the three of us, you got to, you got to commit to a strategy. You got to go all in and your best to have a pretty simplified strategy and one that the whole organization is driving towards. And it's, it's sort of place is, what we're talking too, about. With it's just too confusing, to be honest. Right. And if it fails, you pivot as opposed right. to just trying everything all at once. And it sort of plays into what we're talking about with Disney. Like the Hamilton thing makes a lot of sense, right? Like direct to consumer, the, the internet is going crazy about Hamilton tonight. Everyone wants to watch it. Why not do this with Mulan? Why not do this with Black Widow? Like if you really are all in on streaming, you got to go yeah. all in. There is no like half, you know, this half-baked strategy that everyone is trying to like balance the old and the, the new. You got to go all in. And I, think I think that's the key learning. Disney is, I think, way, way, way more committed to, to streaming and their strategy than I would say Viacom is. Which makes sense, I think, because there's an easier path for them. Yes, they could go further, but it seems like there's an actual strategic plan there. Whereas with Viacom, it's like, I don't know what's going on there. So, stock's, stock's been hanging in, though. So we were talking about DirecTV earlier, milking cash. So DirecTV raised price a couple of weeks ago. Now we've got YouTube TV raising price, $15. Yeah, speaking and of they, Viacom. Right. They, they added all the Viacom networks and the day they added them, I mean, Viacom's probably five or I mean, you know, five maybe, bucks is what I was yeah, thinking. Let's right? just say it's five dollars. Let's between all of them for a smaller streamer. So five dollars, but they raised the price by 15, Brandon. I mean, it's just like that's that's a big price increase. Uh, YouTube TV, when I signed up, was thirty dollars. Uh, sorry, thirty-five dollars, and now it's sixty-five dollars. Yeah, I mean, we we knew this was going to happen. The VMVPD. Um, space was all kind of negative gross margin. At some point, they were going to have to make it close to or or break even, no matter what other strategic goals um, they're trying to solve for. And it's it'll be interesting to see how this works on the elasticity curve. If there is a lot of churn out of this, or I don't know. Personally, I moved over to YouTube TV. I really really like the product. Conversely, um, is there is there is there I'm a not positive churn, impact? Conversely, but... is there a positive impact on the churn of the pay TV subs? I mean, on one hand, the sub losses have been mammoth, but I don't think YouTube TV has had massive numbers. I'm not sure that all of those people 
were going to YouTube TV, right? They were just leaving the category no, when we talk, Yeah, when we talk about the sub numbers, we include VMVPDs in there. So right. like all those sub losses, what, I don't know what it's been, like five, six million this year or some crap. Well, let's uh, simplify it. Well, let's date, simplify it. Probably in, in the first, in the first included quarter, VMVPDs. Right. In the first quarter, the industry lost 2 million subs. In yes. the second quarter, they're probably going to lose 2.5 million subs. And the VMVPs in the first oh, so half like, will have lost subscribers. So, you know, YouTube and, and Hulu Live maybe added a hair if you include Q1 and Q2. But uh, effectively, you know, they are not capturing the subs. If anything, I think people are just realizing there's too much content without needing a bundle. And so, uh, you know, I think this is primarily for the people that still want a bundle, getting it to a place that it's profitable and just recognizing that more and more people in this country just don't want a multi-channel bundle and I think, they can live without it. I think one thing has, has kind of held people there in there a little bit now, which is, which is news. I mean, I, I thought I you were going to say sports. No, I mean, sports is coming. So yeah. I, I think you've had news now, which is kind of stopped a complete all out, like mass cancellation of the bundle um, in the time of no sports. It bridged the gap a little bit and you'll have sports now and we'll kind of, we'll kind of see how that goes if it steadies things out, you know, a little more than than it has has although been. it's it's sort of ironic that's with no sports the espn plus price increase going from 4.99 to 5.99 was sort of just comical i mean i i think it's more about getting people into the disney bundle of disney hulu uh and espn plus because that price point is not going up at 12.99 so it feels yeah. like they're just trying to push people yeah. more into that synthetic bundle because i don't know some, anybody drive some d plus subs totally. i mean look it's all gonna have to go up at some point <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the, going back to that YouTube TV price increase, you know, Walt asked, like, what's the impact of it? Maybe it helps the legacy players, but, but I think the real end result is people just churn off faster, meaning you sign up for YouTube TV or any of these platforms, you sign up in September for football season and you cancel in February when your sport of choice is over. And I, I just think that interperiod churn goes up a lot because the price point is just getting to the point of being so high and it's so easy to click on off. Yeah, you just so churn more often. Average subs for the year go down. Still and look, it's still ch it's the the YouTube TV is still cheaper, right? I mean, you're not paying all those extra box fees and everything else, right? How about Which the regional sports fee? Regional sports fee of like what yeah. fourteen dollars on Spectrum or something? Right, but it you know someone may hesitate DVR a little bit fees. more on the, right. on the margin. Right, no DVR fee, right? Like, I mean, it's all it's just it's a lot less cheap. It was it was probably half the price of pay TV. And now it's probably 20 to 30% cheaper. It's just not 50% yeah. cheaper. Okay, let's go boost. Well, the big news of the week. Closing. I don't know how big this is the big news of the week, but it's we, for those again on the podcast, you can't see the logo, which is the new Boost Mobile logo, which shows this, what appears to be a satellite dish. <laughs> for, there's no satellite as part of uh, any of the wireless business, but I guess that's, milding, or that's um, melding together. Um, legacy dish satellite delivery and, and boost as a brand. Um, well, why were people that, so worried about this deal closing? Like what was the fear three weeks ago that this wasn't going to happen? And here it is magically, just as you said, Walt, closing on schedule. That logo looks like it was made on 99 designs for like $150. <laughs> Go, sorry. I just uh, had to say that. That's a good service though, but that's a good service. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Rich, I think it was just this kind of always this anti-Charlie thing. No one can do a deal with Charlie, and right. you know he was going to try and renegotiate. It wasn't going to get done. It was it was delayed for sure. I still think the issue was T-Mobile executing on some technical issues. Um, but bring up the other um, Rich. Bring up that other slide so I can we can talk about the other. Um, oh, was that, that was that, that was that stock down yesterday? Dish so the, so first like 3%. the percent. So the DOJ um, issued a release basically congratulating T-Mobile, and this had people all over Twitter completely triggered in terms of like, oh my God, how can the DOJ congratulate the company? But remember, people were attacking Macon. He got sued, well, not him getting sued, but basically the state sued Sprint T-Mobile and really went after him for effectively what they thought to be rubber stamping the deal. That deal was ultimately approved by multiple judges, multiple agencies. Um, but it was interesting that the DOJ sent out this this congratulatory um, thing. And then to, back to your question, Brandon, in terms of like how the stock was down, whatever it was, three or 4%, what people were also expecting in terms of this closing or even from Macon was a decision on the 600 megahertz spectrum lease. I still think that, um, the D this is in the hands of the DOJ. I mean, I feel like just like we talked about the deal, you repeat things over and over, but there's still concern about it. This is still in the hands of the DOJ. Macon Del Rahim is the decider. He probably makes a decision within the next couple of weeks. And, you know, there's a spectrum lease deal between um, DISH and, and T-Mobile. I mean, everybody's like, well, T-Mobile doesn't want to do it. They're taking the, the, the spectrum off. And, like, there's always this debate back and forth. But... We'll see what happens, but we'll come back to this exact slide in a couple of weeks and be like, told you so again, Spectrum lease deal done. Just like we said July 1st on the deal and the fact that the Sprint T-Mobile deal was going to get approved. Okay, but I assume, well, Walt, it's, it's not normal for the DOJ to issue press releases congratulating deals that close, I presume. It's not normal, but it's also not normal for a bunch of states to get together and try and act right. as – um, you know, the judge on deals, right? This was a battle. And I think Macon came under a lot of personal attacks um, related to this deal. So yes, 100% not normal for the DOJ to congratulate the deal closing. <laughs> um, but understandable given, I think, given the, the situation. And it Amazing. made for good fun for me to see all these DC people getting completely triggered by that release. So that was also quite amusing. <laughs> well, it's well. nice when you sort of, it's funny to see the government sort of, you know, fucking around, you know, in the space, like they literally, you know, playing their side of just fighting back a little bit is interesting to just see what, what they're doing. And people were basically hoping, getting back again to Brandon, some of Brandon's questions, like people were effectively like hoping for failure that the right. deal wasn't going to happen. And so he's like, look, deal got done. And now they're still, even after the fact, saying, well, oh, no spectrum lease between Dish and T-Mobile, another potential failure. Like, okay. Check That's called thesis creep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Next. Okay, let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk WWE, Brandon. What is going on in this tweet? <laughs> I, I think it was, well, Last week, it came out that there were a bunch of WWE employees, including in-ring talent, that had COVID. And I think Fortune broke a couple of days ago that there are 30 employees in there. I guess it's not a bubble because COVID seems to be finding its way in, but 30 WWE employees at the training center that have COVID, which I think there's probably like 100 or something uh, people there. So I don't know exactly how they're going to go about recording um, and continuing to deliver uh, shows to, to wait, Fox. Wait, I, I have a NBC question for you. I have a question. Where is the performance center? 
which city in Oh, Florida? yeah, in Orlando. Just which one? Oh, it's in, in Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, where the NBA bubble is going to be and where, and where Disney um, <laughs> is. <laughs> But I, I, sorry, I was just checking. I didn't. I didn't remember that it was in Orlando. I don't, I don't exactly know what's going on there. My guess is that they're trying to get to herd immunity among the wrestlers. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. I don't even know how uh, it's possible that in a controlled environment, like thirty percent of the people have COVID at once. Um, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's just move on to the next one. <laughs> Okay, so so what's interesting this week is I was reading an article uh, earlier in the week uh, about sort of the petitions that are going on. This was actually in, L in L.A. about Disney World employee unions essentially petitioning Disney not to open because the, the, the talent, meaning the employees of Disney, were not being tested. So like if, you know, any of the movies or TV shows that go back into production, extensive testing of cast and crew and everything. But for Disney World or Disneyland, no one was being tested. So we called up a couple of the unions and we were talking to union reps earlier in the week and they were like, we are fighting as hard as possible because Disney refuses to test employees, including stage performers who can't even wear masks because they're obviously performing on stage. And so the tweet that we have here is, why does Disney think that park performers don't deserve regular testing? If you think Walt Disney World performers deserve testing like the actors on film productions, please share this tweet. And there's a protect the magic makers hashtag now. So essentially there is this view that, you know, Disney's opening up in less than a week or says they're opening up in less than a week. And all of the 43,000 employees in Orlando, uh, where you just talked about WWE, where the employees are not being tested. So employees have to wear masks. They get temperature checks, just like the guests that come in. But employees are not being tested. It's up to you to get tested on your own if you think you have COVID. It just... It seems sort Look, of just shocking, honestly. COVID has become such a political issue, so I don't want to like really, you know, go down this road. But uh, that's just messed up. I mean, you have little kids, families, grandparents, probably, um, who are going to be at Disney World. And the a lot of older workers, too. I mean, a lot of the people that work in Disney are not young people. I mean, there's a lot of retirees that work in Disney all year round. I don't know. I, I just think it's messed up. I don't really know how else there was to put such it. A, there was such a battle about <laughs> masks and everything else on a neighboring town's Facebook um, parents page that they literally- In Westchester, right? In Westchester County, not up here at the Cape. I'm sure there's similar things here. <laughs> they literally shut down the page. They shut down the entire page and saying they're reevaluating everything. I mean- <laughs> But, um, but on the other hand, Texas way, requiring masks sort of shows you like this is not a Democrat versus Republican issue. This should just be well, a health issue, right? I, I think was it a Florida know, issue? Texas took it as far as they could without re requiring masks. I'm I'm just saying they finally did require it, so it's just interesting that they finally got there. Uh, I don't know. Like it, it's having obviously national impacts because regardless of what the happening happening with the death rate if if the test rates are going up and other states shut down planes shut down like if there's if there's a ripple impact as a result of the decisions or let's just say the occurrences that are happening in these in these states where like obviously the test rates are going up um and we're, we're, you know there's countless examples let's not waste time on it everyone knows yep okay so let's uh, go uh let's go usc so 
but we've got the Trojans reversing course and announces that undergrads will primarily take online classes this fall. This development obviously cast doubt on the fate of the Trojans 2020 college football season. Remember, USC is a private university uh, and they were expecting to be in session. Uh, now the question is, will there actually be football? And from what I've, from talking to people this week, it sounds like if clashes aren't in session on campus, there won't be uh, a double standard, meaning athletes won't be on campus for football if students aren't on campus. So, and this is Pac-12. This is, you know, this is a power conference. Um, <laughs> this is a big time football school. And look, and we, we were starting to get better news. I mean, I think sort of not just obviously for sports, but I mean, we were uh, for college sports, but we were starting to thinking like, all sports were starting back up. And now we've got the NBA descending on Orlando, which seems hard to believe right now. We've got college sports being thrown into a little bit of disarray as different states are in different levels of difficulty. I mean, baseball's in spring training starting today, Rich. And guess what? They're going to play their games by getting on planes, trains, and automobiles. Circling the whole country, correct? I mean, they're, they're going yeah, to I, each I, stadium. Well, the way it's being done is you only, you only play within your division, which is geographically closer, and in the opposite league um, same division. So for my, I don't know, Brandon, for, I'm starting to feel better about the NHL. They're up in Canada. It seems a lot I, safer to play I, up there no, than I any know. of these other sports. But at least, at least my Mets, um, and they will figure out a way to all get COVID because it's the Mets, but the, the Mets will just be bouncing around the Northeast where it's been pretty safe. Uh, we'll have to play the Yankees a bunch and the Nationals and everything. By the so way, happy, happy season, Bobby Bonilla day, Brandon. That was two days ago. Well, whatever. It's two what, days. what does he get? Like happy one point Bobby Bonilla week, 1.19. <laughs> 1. Rich, 1. Let's, if we think about, I mean, we did a lot of light shed lives on this topic. And, and I, you know, the kind of the narrative that we heard from people within college athletics was like, well, if the kids aren't at um, school and taking online classes, then they wouldn't do it with sports. And then we talked to someone else and like, so it'll be interesting to see that even if at USC that they went to online classes, given the dollars that are associated with college football, I wouldn't necessarily rule out that that kills college football just because they're going to say the majority of classes are online. I think the challenge is going to be some of these states. I mean, you see like California reshutting down restaurants and bars and, you know, beaches starting to, you know, we're starting to kind of move backwards in a lot of these big states. Uh, you know, you think about Texas requiring masks on everybody. Again, it's only the next three or four weeks. But, you know, the concept of like all of these things seem a lot more difficult if we're going in the wrong direction. Obviously, most of these decisions, there doesn't need to be kind of finality probably until later in July. But you know, certainly by the end of July. Running out of time. Running out of time. For sure. I mean, we are hitting crunch time for all of these. I mean, when we had the ADs on our Light Shed Live, what was that? Six weeks ago or so, yeah. something like that. I don't think any of them imagined that the COVID curve would be ramping up the other way and that all these COVID tests for football teams, which you didn't even mention, there have been tons and tons of positives at power schools it's like clemson alabama like every national championship contender you know it's like the interesting thing it's though like is maybe the covid antibodies are like a superpower and you know it also brand it's just july i mean we're, it's just we're, we're running out of time in yeah, terms we're running of when out they of need, time when they meet need to make a decision 
in the camps and everything. I forget what the exact weeks that we were told in some of those late shed lines. It was but like the first to... week. It was by the first week of August, I think, is what they said. Now, obviously, yeah. they could shift the season. They could, you know, try and play games. So, but... so what could pull this out of the fire? Is it is it that maybe that the death rates don't track the the um, the case increases? That's gonna the... be, we're not really going to know that for like three weeks. Okay, so that's before. And the, uh, and the yeah. other thing is with college, forget about pro sports, but college, because, you know, it, it's students, they're not getting paid, so on and so <laughs> forth. I think there's the, there's probably more liability on the universities. I know, like Ohio State. I was going to go the opposite way, that they're already not paying them. <laughs> right? so, I don't know. I mean, look, I, we watched Adam Silver this week. You know, by the way, Silver did a takes... talk this week and, and was talking about how, look, it's our job, right? Like, we're going to try to do this. No, I, I get we're it. We're working but I'm just towards saying... it. The bar is even higher for college. And if one student athlete dies from this, very, very bad. And by the way, I was watching cable news, as I always do, since CNBC didn't have anything today before this. And yeah, they were talking about their one-offs, but like a 17-year-old who died, an 11-year-old who died in Florida, you know, a 22-year-old, it can happen. Well, hold on. The average age, the average age of uh, of the infected people in Florida. I was looking at the chart yesterday. Cases. So of, of the ten of the ten thousand people that were diagnosed yesterday or two days ago now, it was thirty seven. You're right. I mean, it's a lot younger than people right, were the, the sort of risk, thinking that's the infected about. Infected rate because they're getting tested. Like the question is, what's the what's the death rate among those that are infected at that age group? And if totally. it's effectively it's be close to zero then like again the infection rate i don't see the the issue with that you know obviously it's more about bad. the hospitalization it's, you'd want to know the hospitalization well, hospitalizations rate are going through the roof yeah I look so i don't think you want to be in the hospital with covid whether you're 30 or 40 or 50 but let's just hope it doesn't turn it into deaths and again if any of these college athletes die of covid it's going to be a cri major crisis for the ncaa Okay, let's I talk. I don't Rand. know if it's worth the risk. How about Rand, Walt? Let's move topics. I'll try oh. and keep this quick, but but this is going to be a new thing that a lot of people are talking about. First, you have Brennan Carr, a, a commissioner at the FCC, um, reacting to a Politico news report saying that rural carriers are upset that Huawei and ZTE they have to take out that equipment. He's like, I'm stunned that you're stunned, and and basically that underscores the administration. Um, kind of the pushback on China in the fight for 5G. They want non-Chinese vendors to succeed in 5G. Part of that, some of the things that are happening now in terms of the discussion in, in the government is how do we help fund it? Um, the attorney general talked about like buying into Nokia and Ericsson, but there's this new technology called ORAN, which Rakuten is doing in Japan. Dish what is does it stand for? Radio... Um, basic CRAN is cloud radio access network O is whatever you know I don't who knows like they come up with different letters with each one um, open ran open. I guess open yeah open sorry most people call it CRAN but the press is, is switching over to ORAN anyway, I literally have no idea what this we're even talking about now just thought I'd say that that's <laughs> just above what my we're, head. Ta what we're talking about is a new technology okay that um is less reliant on traditional vendors that the u.s government wants it to succeed as a way to push back on the chinese they've already banned 
rural operators and said the rural operators, if you want to get funding, you have to rip Huawei equipment out of your network. They're upset about that, but this is kind of this anti-Chinese vendor. Got we it. don't want their, okay, so on top of that, yeah. mm -hmm. now DISH is building this new network and maybe there's an opportunity for government funding in terms of either the R&D of the technology or the build out itself. So we'll delve into this more, but this is an important thing. Got it. I think for people to watch if the government's actually helping to fund or otherwise develop. What's the next Dish's milestone network. we're looking for? Um, well, Dish has, is announcing vendors. So I think we'll watch to see what the government, how the government proceeds on, on these items. And we'll have more to, to talk about that later. But again, keep it on your, uh, keep it on the interest list there. OneWeb. Um, also interesting, OneWeb was this kind of SoftBank invested company that was going to build these satellites that were going to deliver internet competing with what Elon is doing with Starlink. And as of this morning, I guess the UK government is buying OneWeb. So the UK government will own a company launching satellites to deliver internet service uh, around the globe. Um, so, you know, this is, I guess, OneWeb going up against uh, Elon, I think Amazon is also involved in this. I think earlier this week you saw Elon uh, or Amazon had bought an autonomous company and Elon was tweeting at them saying like nice copycat move to Amazon. So Elon's been on fire this week. Um, well, I, you just had it there. Sorry, I, I, I literally slipped up. I was going to say, <laughs> speaking of Elon tweets, I guess. Is this, tweet, is this your favorite tweet of the, tweet of the week? week? This is. Elon usually has my favorite tweet of the week, but this one I actually fell out of my chair. For I don't know how, Rich didn't get it until we had to explain it to him, but Elon's tweet is SEC, three-letter acronym. Middle word is Elon's. It's like a puzzle here, Rich. I'm going to give you a hint. First word is suck. I think have you've said enough, week, everyone. You, you, you have certainly said enough with that. That is a great way to end episode 11, Brandon. Thank you for being part of the 11. Happy 4th. Yeah.